be the first to admit that since we last talked, I've seen very few movies. I think I've seen whatever. It's fine. Two, maybe I've seen three. Maybe I've seen more movies than I think I have, actually. <laughs> the only movie that is important that I think you've seen that warrants extended discussion is the new Mission Impossible movie. Have you seen it? Which I saw, yeah. I saw, and I think you saw it too. So, I mean, we can just talk about that, right? Saw it in theaters, saw it in IMAX. Have you seen it in IMAX? No, I did wow. not see it in IMAX, unfortunately. I know. I want to see, just, I don't, yeah. I don't have a car. What about Oppenheimer? So I have to go. I'm seeing Oppenheimer today. I am seeing it in IMAX. Really? Although okay. Interesting. I was told by Jimmy that one of the few 70 millimeter projections of Oppenheimer, which of course there's not very many of them because they're really expensive to make and just like they're giant. They're yeah. fucking giant. But one of them is in Indianapolis. They're showing at that IMAX at the Whoa, Indiana State Museum. Okay. So, I, I mean, you're close it, enough it, that. Funnily enough, one of them I think is also playing in Nashville. Really, <laughs> but both, yeah, I think so. But both trips, you know, they're like I don't know. I I am on vacation next week. I mean, I'm on vacation next week, so I mean, I might. Oh, man, you gotta do it, man. You're so close. You're so close. I know, and you know what? The IMAX theater. I, I hate to. I hate to be the. I hate to be a um a curmudgeon, but uh. Like we have an IMAX theater, AMC IMAX theater. We only have one here in uh in Louisville, and uh, and it is disgusting. You know, it is just like the seats are old and bad, and and the floors are always sticky. And you know, I understand like it's probably just hard to like upkeep when you don't have enough people working there. But man, like it is just ugh. ugh. So I think I would rather go somewhere else to see it. Because we were there, like I said the other day, to see Mission Impossible, and it was just like, man, like this is gross. Yeah, our IMAX here in Reno is okay at best. It's not bad. It's just, I think it's been spoiled because Indiana has one of my favorite IMAX at the Indiana State Museum. Beautiful, giant theater, wonderful. I've been there like, I think I've been there maybe like. I think I've seen like nature films there, like on field trips. I don't think I've ever seen like, yeah, a movie. I, I saw the 50th anniversary of 2001 there, which was on yeah. my, it was just around my 21st birthday. And <laughs> seeing that in that theater is incredible. It's one of my favorite IMAX I've ever been to. Of course, the other ones, there's an incredible one in Los Angeles, because of course there is, there's a great one in New York, but you wouldn't think it, but that one in Indianapolis is so amazing it's beautiful it's clean it's giant the sound is so loud it shakes you i mean when i saw 2001 there you know there's those scenes with like the really high screeching noise i mean you had to like throw your hands over your ears it was so intense and the imax here is not that (laughs) i mean it's fine it's technically an imax cinema but is the bare minimum minimum of what a IMAX cinema could be. So seeing Mission Impossible in IMAX just didn't feel like it was worth it necessarily. I am seeing Oppenheimer in IMAX because that feels like it's worth it. But I guess Yeah, I think it's I pretty know. intentional as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's uh yeah, I'm excited to see it definitely. Yeah. Probably one of the more anticipated movies of the year and I'm sure we'll talk about it. Um I did like Mission Impossible, though. I like New Mission Impossible. So, so per your request, I did not watch any of the Mission Impossible movies. So the only Mission Impossible movie I've seen before I saw Dead Reckoning Part 1. You just one. didn't want to. <laughs> That's not true. No, keep going. I very much want to see the other Mission Impossible movies, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't. And I feel... I guess now we could speak as, as one person who's seen all the Mission Impossible movies and one yeah, person who's seen only two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, did I miss part of the experience? It feels like I missed some stuff. I feel like there was stuff missed. Why do you say that? Well, because like the main bad guy is from the original Mission Impossible. Like his whole... Who are you talking about? The gray-haired guy. Gabriel? Gabriel. That 
is completely made up for this movie. That was not in any of the other movies. You didn't that I miss nothing. The scenes, the scene where he's like young and he kills that woman and like Tom Cruise is there, that is not from any of the other movies. That was completely okay. made for this movie. <laughs> It feels it, it like I'm missing though. something. It, got it gets me. you though, because when I was watching it, I was like, was that in one of the other movies? It's not. <laughs> hey, so I was fooled. <laughs> yeah, no. There are some harken. There is some harkening back though to the early ones. You know the guy that he um talks with that he gasses that he but he gives him the gas mask? Yes. That guy is in the first movie, and he hasn't been in any of the other movies until now. So really? that guy was in the very first. Yeah, he plays like he plays like the guy. He plays like the guy who's like who feels like Ethan Hunt is doing something wrong. Ethan Hunt in the first okay. movie is being framed for something, uh-huh. and the guy is like, "Yeah, I know you did it. I'm gonna get you. I'm in the. I'm in IMF. You know, so I'm gonna get you, Ethan Hunt." And yeah, so he's back. And, you know, there's a big train action sequence climax um, in the first movie. Nice. <laughs> Similar to this movie. I love a good train scene. I mean, there's just something about train yeah. scenes. Let's just get me. Very. This one was very General-esque. Very uh, Buster <laughs> yeah. Keaton general I thought that too, right? Especially when the yeah. train went off the bridge. I was like, oh, it's like that movie, The General. <laughs> oh, man. I was really loving it. I feel... Some very cool stunts. Obviously, the most famous stunt from the movie, the one where he drives his motorcycle off a cliff, is a very fun yeah. moment. <laughs> it's really cool. But I think Fallout had some cooler set pieces than this one. I mean, there's still some really cool sets and, and stunts, but I think, at the very least, that that scene from Fallout where the skydiving scene. I mean, that scene is just so incredible. It's really hard to be the helicopter scene. scene at the end is amazing too. Yeah. I love that part. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. Maybe I do prefer fallout more, but it's kind of hard to say. Um, but this one was really good. And it's kind of, it's a little hard to talk about just because like, it's just kind of like, you just go see it, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it's just great stuff. Stuff happening. Great movie. There's there's plenty of CGI touches, but it's okay. Like it's fine. It doesn't it doesn't really bother me all that much. Um, because at least it is for the most part things like happening, and it it feels real. You know, like it feels like <laughs> they're doing stuff. Yeah. Um, so. I, I can appreciate that for sure. And um yeah, I just really uh um yeah, it's kinda hard to say which I prefer. I don't know. I mean I've only seen two. <laughs> so I can only say of the two. I I'm I'm really I'm really only thinking about it in terms of like the Macquarie kind of thing, because Macquarie yeah. has directed the fifth, six, and this new movie, and he's and directing, of one. course, part two. So, right. uh, so Macquarie has been basically directing movies for half of the franchise, which is a little disappointing, just because like I think he's really good, but I kind of like when they get like a freak like Brian De Palma to direct it. Yeah. Um, and I think ultimately my favorite movie is the first one, the Brian De Palma okay. one, because it's so I don't know I love it. Um, but. The Macquarie movies are almost like entirely like separate. You know, they're like a, a different. They're 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 different than the first four. You know, just because it's like it feels, yeah, it just feels different. Like they're really really big action movies in the fifth movie and the sixth movie and the seventh movie now, um, and I'm sure the eighth movie will also be crazy and insane. Um, but I, yeah, when I'm thinking about the Macquarie movies, I think the fifth movie is just okay, and then the sixth and seventh movie feel mostly interchangeable in terms of quality yeah i think one of the great things that is possible with franchises like this and the reason i like franchises like the mission possible is the idea that every film which i guess they started with but stopped doing this because they like Macquarie a lot but yeah 
the idea that each one has like an entirely different voice to it. You know, you get different writers, you get different directors. And the only thing that's the same is the format of it's a mission impossible, right? It's an impossible mission that Ethan Hunt has to somehow complete. And the ability to just get like some very different people like uh, Brian De Palma or uh, the John Incredibles Woo. guy, John Woo. Brad Bird. <laughs> Brad Bird. J.J. Abrams, which he still produces these movies, I think. Is J.J. Abrams, did he do the third one? He did the third one. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes mm. sense to me. <laughs> yeah, so even if like their voices aren't particularly your favorite voices, it's nice that yeah, it is just right. It's a distinct film to and of itself. Like even though it's part of this larger thing, it's great to get all these different sort of views on these characters and different ways they kind of see the world. Kind of like the James Bond thing, right? Like one of the great things about the right. James Bond right. movies is they're almost always directed by someone else. So even if you have the same characters, even if you have someone like Daniel Craig who does what four or five James Bond movies, you have different directors coming in, you have different writers coming in. So you get sort of these different perspectives or these different ways of seeing yeah. these characters, which is really fun. And I think yeah, it's a McQuarrie, he's great, but it's not like he has like the strongest voice. Like what would you say is his voice? Right. You know, like, <laughs> uh, but that's okay for that's okay in this instance because I don't think like I don't think like stylistic autorism is really like uh, uh, a necessary component in these movies, especially since like Later. Tom Cruise has been making these movies for a long time and you get the idea, right? Like and that's kind of like why you're watching it, right? You're watching, you just want to watch like Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt do his thing and do sick cool action stunts and like beat up guys and you want kind of like the spy you know uh intrigue intrigue you know to like run its course and do its thing and and that's really what it's all about and you know the 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 macquarie movies yeah they're not really particularly uh i don't know stylish but who who cares like i don't know <laughs> they're fun <laughs> At yeah, the they're, day, they're really fun still. movies, and he he likes yeah. using real sets, which is nice. Uh, it's nice yeah. seeing action movies where people actually hit each other and run around and do stuff, and not just mm -hmm. real sets, real locations for the most part. I think, yeah. And even when they use green screen, I think they do a good job of actually like putting time and money into proper visual effects instead of just yeah. like, you know, let's give them a week to figure the shit I out. Think too, so. and I think I think too, like yeah, like the McCoy, like. The, like the these movies too i mean it's clear like obviously tom cruise produces them he's produced he's been producing these movies so clearly he has like a very strong like connection and affection to them and it probably at this point it, it goes further than just money right like i think he really genuinely wants to do a good job and to make and to please people yeah tom cruise and everyone involved although especially tom cruise really love this franchise and it would be i mean it's been when did the first one come out it came out in the 90s right yeah like 96 98 99 yeah so i mean we've they, been with this franchise yeah. for 20 plus years and i could see how anyone would have an affinity of course you know i know most of the actors came on in like different points like i know simon Pegg came on in like the fourth one right third movie third movie and mm -hmm. they all came out in different parts but yeah, Rebecca Ferguson's character came in in the fifth movie. Okay. She's the lady who dies. Yes, yeah. I know that one. <laughs> and well, the Ving Rhames character, though, he's like, I think, in all the movies. Oh, really? Oh, that's dope. I think he's in I all like the him. movies, except maybe like... I think he's in all the movies, yeah. Yeah, oh. he's in all the movies. Yep. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that. How do you feel about the bad guy being an artificial intelligence? I think that's great. That's such a funny thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I love too. The best thing about it too is that Ethan Hunt is the only person in the world who wants to destroy it while everybody else just like wants to have it. I love that. I love I love that um I love that conflict of how like Ethan Hunt, as soon as he hears about what it is, he knows it needs to be destroyed. Right, because like, and 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 that too, like you could like read into it as kind of like an existential crisis of like AI replacing everything, right? Like AI or you know uh, algorithms replacing you know actors and writers and all these things, and and no, like no, we're gonna put in all of our faith into Ethan Hunt, 
and he's going to destroy it. And I love that. I love that so much. And you know he's going to, probably. Well, I don't know. <laughs> the movies could surprise you, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that would be a very surprising ending if he If he just fails failed, he died. <laughs> I was surprised. I was reading the Wikipedia. I was reading, I was on Wikipedia, like, reading about the movie. And uh, I think they said that, like, after the, the next movie, the second part, which were filmed concurrently, I think, um... They're not like like that's I think that's not the end of the franchise. I think they're still gonna keep going. I thought it was gonna be really? like the end of them. Yeah. I did too. <laughs> so I guess like they're just to me that feels like if they're doing like a two parter thing, I feel like that would be like the end of it, right? But that's it's, I guess it's how not. It goes. That's crazy oh, that's to me. Right. Unless Wikipedia is lying to you, it's part of their grand scheme. It's artificial intelligence. Uh, it had it had <laughs> citations. There were citations. <laughs> So, I mean, I guess that's not too crazy. They're to probably me. already it's, it's... making another one. If I was Tom Cruise, I'd probably want a little break. <laughs> uh, you know, it also said on the Wikipedia page that like he wanted to keep me- making these like movies into his eighties or something like that. He's already so old. Yeah. Well, I don't <laughs> How know. How much longer can he do he's... it? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> he's he's you know he's in shape. He's doing his thing. I mean, it's impressive. He loves just, his motorcycles, and he sure does. Got a helicopter. He rides like a motorcycle, and... like in every. Does he have a helicopter license? That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, he's got a helicopter license. Yeah. He has his pilot license. Yep, he fucking has. That's it all. true. He flies the jets in Maverick. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh... Once again, like it's it's more interesting to look at the movie as almost like an auteur project from like Tom Cruise than like McQuarrie. Yeah. <laughs> It's certainly, and from what I've heard over the last two years about the project as it was in production, because it shot during COVID, which is incredible right. that they made this movie during crazy. COVID. I mean, just the things you hear from Tom Cruise, it's like, oh yeah, like sure, it is the director and he has specific writers and all these things, but these very much, especially the ones that I've seen, they feel very much as if they are Tom Cruise films, even though he's not the director, he does produce these films i mean at the beginning of the film it does say a tom cruise production so yeah and i'm sure like yeah i mean i'm sure he's heavily involved to the point where he you could probably say he's a director and a writer on the project you know like i'm sure it goes that far yeah that certainly seems to be the case which is fine with me (laughs) i mean no i mean like i i I think with that like the movies are more interesting and they're probably you know an aspect as to why they're really good um yeah, I uh, I really liked it. <laughs> I like it so much. It's a really good movie, and you know, it's 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 over two and a half hours long, and it, it didn't it didn't feel too bad. Like I thought, no. I, I thought it went by kind of at a good pace. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't think it. Um, I thought these movies are good too because like they have like these action scenes, and it's great when something goes wrong. You know. Yeah. Because when something goes wrong, it adds like tension, and it also adds like comedy to it. Um, and these movies, their writing isn't the greatest writing, I guess, like in terms of like a dialogue aspect. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, you could also argue like plot specifics. You know, it's like oh, whatever. You know, you kind of like take it or leave it. Um, but yeah, like I-, I love the car chase scene where they're like handcuffed to each other. Ah, and- that scene's great. Or, you know, like, I love, like, the, obviously, like, the when he's, like, jumping off, like, the cliff on the motorcycle. Like, he, he has to do that because something went wrong. Like, they had a part of the plan yeah. that was supposed to happen, and then it went wrong. And so now he has to go <laughs> jump off a cliff, like, on his motorcycle. <laughs> like, that's, that. those things are, are, those things are great, you know? Yeah, I mean, those are really the moments that make the movie. I mean, it's those moments where nothing seems to be going right. Everything seems to be going wrong that yeah you really get to see kind of where these different people are and how they're trying to figure things out because that's really what makes ethan hunt ethan hunt right it's not so much his ability to because like everyone else within the group right they have their own like specific set of skills that they're really good at but the thing ethan hunt seems really good at is the ability to adapt to situations right the ability to Mm -hmm. take something that's just not working and just like figure it out and that, that's what makes him so great yeah yeah and his team too he's got his buddies and they all do their 
things, I guess. Like they do their hacking and I don't know. I'm just like thinking about the movie again and like how like awesome like the airplane sequence is. Like not the, not the airplane, the airport sequence is so good yeah. at the beginning <laughs> of the movie. And and then of course like obviously it goes without mentioning the train sequence is just like yes. ridiculous. Where like the train, like the two of them have to like keep moving. They just have to keep running. It just keeps happening. Like, once they get past like the second or third train car and it keeps keeps and it just keeps falling. It's just, it's just like going. I can't believe this. Like I was like I was in awe of like how it just like keeps how the train just like keeps falling. Like that felt like a thing out of like an uncharted video game or something like that. Yeah. Like, there literally that literally is one too. Like at the beginning of of the third or second uncharted game, mm-hmm. you're like dangling off like a cliff in a train car and you have to like climb up. It literally is from there, but it's in real life for the obvious, you know, it's in real life, you know, it's, it's, a, they're not actually dangling off in a train, but yeah, it's a movie, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's so good. That is such an incredible sequence and not one that I expect. I assumed like they would run that past that first train and that would be it. Right. It would just be like, oh, they made it. But then it just, it just keeps going and going and going. It goes so long in all of those scenes, even like the airport scene. Yeah. I mean, that's a genuinely long scene, like that whole airport thing. I mean, oh, it goes on so and on and on. Oh. It's so good. The car chasing that's... too, like, oh. I think what makes oh, lovely the airport scene, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, is most of the scenes are very action intense, right? really cool stunts. I mean, right. the car yeah, chase is so is cool and so long. The train sequence is amazing. But what's great about the airport scene is there's basically no stunts, right? It's basically just Tom Cruise. Yeah walking around and solving riddles yeah in an airport like that's all it is at a fundamental level it's just a guy walking around an airport but he's so cool he's perfect he's so cool (laughs) he he just he's just able to inject that like sense of like movie starness right that like everything is like just suddenly escalated um and you know that character ethan hunt you know obviously you know for me and some people you know it's like you've been with that character for like seven movies now and so of course like yeah you're like so on his side you know you want him to do so well so anything that he does it's just awesome um but yeah i love uh i love um yeah i just i that that's a great character and uh i don't know it's kind of once again it's, it's a movie where it's just like you just just go see it you know even if you haven't even well, honestly, with this movie, I would say maybe it would be worth it to see Fallout before you see this one, because there are there are repeated yeah. characters in Fallout that you know you might want to know a little bit about before they you go into the seventh movie. Um, but they do a pretty good job at like making it like at explaining things. You know, I think you could figure it out. I think you could figure it out. Yeah, like the Vanessa Kirby character is a little like she's kind of mysterious so it would be kind of like i think it would add to like if you knew a little bit more about her from her appearance in fallout and you know the rebecca ferguson character she dies like halfway through spoilers and (laughs) she's introduced in the fifth movie so i don't know maybe it would hit a little harder if you watch the fifth movie and the sixth movie and then you know you saw her die in the seventh movie um but other than that i mean yeah you could just like watch it and be fine with it yeah yeah it was a great time i saw it in a theater that was pretty much full which is always great to see here in reno because it's yeah not often that yeah, you see exciting. a full theater so actually here in reno people are so excited to see oppenheimer and barbie yeah that the website to all of the local cinemas have crashed like you can't go wow. to any of their websites. That's good. You have to buy your. You have to go in in person, which is great for yeah, movies. Good. I mean, it's a great time to be in the movie industry. I'm excited. I'm pumped. I'm glad people are well, so excited about seeing Barbie and well, Oppenheimer. <laughs> Maybe if you're an executive, but if you're a writer or an actor, <laughs> you know you're not working. You're striking. Yeah. I, so strike. I would say it's not, unfortunately, <laughs> a good day to be in the movie industry, unless you that's, like money a lot. I guess. That's a good point. It's it's a good day to be an executive, but to. The strikes are not great. Obviously, we we stand with the strikes, right? I mean, I do. You do Fuck too, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what other side would you be on? Yeah. Have, have, okay. Really quick transition. Have you seen Edge of Tomorrow? And when was the last time you saw it? 
Yes, I've seen it. I saw it three years ago. Really? Okay. Yes. Do you like it? I watched it for the first time the other day because I'm on the Tom Cruise kick. If it's the movie, I think it is. It's the one where he keeps dying and he goes back in time. Yes. I thought yeah, that movie was a Doug blast. Lehman. Yeah. I thought it was good too. Yeah. Um, I had low expectations, but I really liked it. I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. Um I uh yeah, you know, action movie Tom Cruise is great. And this movie, of course, like borrows a lot from aliens, of course. Um, which I like. I like aliens. It's been a while since I've seen that. I need to rewatch Aliens. It's been a little while. I've seen like the first Alien maybe like two, three, four times. I need to watch more Aliens. I need to stop <laughs> thinking about Alien and think about the Aliens. Um, you know, Bill Paxton's in it. Bill Paxton, of course, is in Aliens. He's great. I love Bill yeah. Paxton. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, I just uh, uh, the problem I think is like the Doug Lehman direction style. Kind of reminds me of J.J. Abrams a little bit, where things are a little yes. bit either too bright or too dark. Yeah. Um, he, I just don't like how he shoots his movies. I think they look like shit. Um, I think I think they look like him and J.J. Abrams. I think their movies look like so Steven Spielberg films were made by an AI. Yeah. It's true. I, I think like there is like the Spielberg kind of rip off thing they want to do. Um, yeah, Lehman's Lehman's movies are a little bit less Spielbergian, but uh, yeah, I I would agree with you. And but the Edge of Tomorrow, like the story and the idea, I think is really great. I think yeah. that I think the design of the aliens and all their equipment and stuff looks great. Um, you know, once again, like Tom Cruise in an action movie context is is like I love. Um, that's a, just a good, solid, cool movie, and I thought it was good. It's just like the Doug, the Doug Lehman visuals, like the way that his movies look. I do not like. I, I think that's the weakest element. But everything else is good. I like everything else. Um, you know, I also watched Jack Reacher, which is okay. a that that's like Jack Reacher is a is a Tom Cruise McQuarrie precursor to all of the Mission Impossible movies. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's like Tom Cruise playing Jack Reacher, which is a very different character than the Ethan Hunt character. I would recommend seeing this movie. It's very fun. Okay. Jack Reacher is more kind of like a like a womanizer, like kind of assholeish um uh veteran guy, like a operator, like former operator guy who has like basically wiped he basically has like a completely clean slate. So he like roves around with like no identification. Um, he's just like a former operator guy. And the beginning of the movie is crazy. This is not, it's not really a spoiler because it's the very beginning of the movie, but <laughs> yeah. the beginning of the movie, the first of all, this movie is like way more dark and violent than any mission impossible movie. Oh, the shit. beginning of the movie. Well, except maybe like uh, the fourth movie. Um, there's okay. something that happens in the fourth movie that I won't mention. That's pretty yeah. like, Whoa, this is getting kind of crazy. Um, but in uh yeah, and in, in Jack Reacher, the movie begins with like a targets esque sniper sniper rifle scene where a guy Shit. from like a parking garage like snipes and kills like like four or five innocent people. And that's kind of like the ensuing incident of the movie <laughs> where and like and like when he's like sniping people, like there's no music. Like it reminds me of Targets, like when he shoots yeah. people like from the water tank into the into the interstate, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and then and, and this investigation occurs, and the guy that gets framed for it asks for Jack Reacher, and then he goes down this rabbit hole where he's trying to investigate like this crazy sniping incident, and uh, it's like kind of violent and kind of dark. Um, 2012, so different time, I guess. Different times. <laughs> okay, yeah, that, that sounds like a good time. I mean, I would love a little more. Tom Cruise, my life. There was an actor I was thinking about that I was like, I'd really love to see a lot of more of his stuff, and I can't think of who it was. Like, there was just someone I was thinking about, like, right before I went to sleep last night. I was like, I'd really like to see a lot more of his movies, and I wish I could think of who that person was, or like, I had any idea what kind of movies this person was in. I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe it'll come to me later. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Man, that's gonna bother me. 
I don't know. I don't know who it was. I am currently reading the biography of James Dean. I'm only like 50 pages in and it's like a 500 page book. So I'll let you know how this whole James Dean guy uh, turns out. But so far, it's kind of cool because, you know, he grew up in Fairmont, Indiana. So it's cool. Like he'll mention like Gas City and Kokomo and like these different places. It's like, oh, I actually know where that is. Like I've been there. We've lived there. That's sort of cool. And his life is not great. At least I'm I'm at the point where he's he's like 19 years old. So we just moved to California. His mom died when he was nine. His dad moved to California right after his mom died, but he stayed in Indiana and lived with just like some family friends, like his entire childhood. And he was a very promiscuous kid. He slept with a lot of men and women, just all kinds and preyed upon by a lot of older men and women. I mean, he was very clearly raped by like the priest when he was like 15, 16 years old. And also some female teachers too at the school, just a lot of bad shit going on in uh, Fairmount, Indiana in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Alman, uh, he directed a uh, uh, doc- documentary about James Dean. Really? Yeah, like an old one, like from 1957. Okay. I'd be interested to see that. I mean, James Dean is really interesting because there's so little there, and yet he has such this cult following, which is always the thing that fascinates me about mm-hmm. James Dean, because James Dean was only in three movies. He was in East of Eden and two other movies I can't think of. Uh, Rebel Without a Cause and Giant. Rebel Without a Cause, yeah. And I've seen Giant and Giant, yes. So I, I've seen Rebel Without a Cause and East of Eden. The only one I haven't seen is Giant. And he, I mean, he's very good. He's a very good performer. But I'm much more fascinated by the cult status that he has. Like, I'm much more interested in the caricature that has developed around James Dean, much like the caricature of Marilyn Monroe or these different celebrities right i find that endlessly fascinating especially with james dean because he was so young and he really wasn't a whole lot and when he died the only movie that come out was east of eden giant and fuck rebel without a clause i don't know why i can't remember (laughs) Mm -hmm. hadn't even been released yet so he was basically a no-name when he died and yet there's this sort of weird cold falling and still is around james dean that i find endlessly fascinating i mean if you go to any library and you look up James Dean biographies, there's like 20 fucking biographies of this guy. People <laughs> are cool. endlessly fascinated with this person. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I, I think James Dean's good. Did he die young? Yeah, he was 30. Yeah, he died young. Like he died in a car crash, a very American a, way to die. Yeah, in a motorcycle accident. Unless. Oh, motorcycle accident. Okay. Even You're more American. American yeah, still, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, cool. He, and, you know, he's got the look. He's got the look. He's got, he's the, got the look. Like, what can you say? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. There's something about the idea of him that I'm really interested in. But I'll probably watch Giant soon. I'm sure it's probably not too hard to find on something. I'd like to see him. I know he's in a couple of TV shows. He's done some commercials. But there's also just very little to find. Like, because he just had a very short career. So there's just not a lot there. But whenever I read a biography of either a filmmaker or a actor or what have you, I try to... Mm -hmm get into their movies like when i read that judy garland biography which is a great biography mm-hmm. i was watching a lot of judy garland movies which judy garland as an actor i'm not really a huge fan of i'm not really a huge fan of judy garland as a person either <laughs> after reading mm-hmm. the biography like she was not a good human being she was very cruel and manipulative and i understand the sort of need to 
victimize her like to see her as a victim because there are some things about her like some people treat her really badly and there are a lot of like really crummy things about her life but she was also a vain and mean person so it's kind of hard to separate those two things and with James Dean it's really fascinating because when he died he's still very kid-like and Mm-hmm. reading the biography about him like the things he does are dumb and stupid but they're not dumb and stupid because he's like a mean person it doesn't seem he has any sort of real meanness in him i mean he definitely doesn't treat people as much more than sort of just this disposable thing he has this yeah. tendency to sort of just see people as like they have some sort of use and i'm going to use them for it but he utilize that with kindness so i don't know it's hard to say with james dean but then on the other hand like james dean was a kid and he never really kind of grew up and i think part of that Mm -hmm. is he really never had the opportunity to grow up because of you know his mom dying so young and his dad yeah moving across the country was so young so hard to say again i'm still pretty early in the biography so i will keep you updated probably by the next time we talk i'll finish the biography so it will be a conversation for next time. Is it, is it an audiobook or do you read it? Audiobook. I can't. Mm-hmm. It takes me so I can listen to like a 500 page audiobook in a week, but to read 500 pages takes me like at least a month. I'm an extremely slow reader. <laughs> it's it's obnoxious how slow I am. You can go on to Kindle because I use my Kindle a lot. Just even though like I have, I literally have, I'm looking at a library of like 500 physical books. I still use my Kindle because I, I like getting, I like getting library books, but I'm so terrified of like getting a physical library book because I'm I'm not like, I'm terrified that I'm going to ruin it because I probably am. Like, I'm not gentle with my books. I mean, if you look at (laughs) the books I've read, like they look like fucking shit. They look like they've gone through the ringer because they have. So the only books I get from the library are my Kindle. And whenever you get a new book on your Kindle, it will tell you how long the average person it takes to read a book. So like this, the book I'm reading right now is Sex on the Moon, which is great. It's a Ben Merzrick book. He wrote, he wrote the book that the social network is based on, which if you have, I can't remember the name of the book at the moment. It's not social network. It's something else. Uh, something billionaires, accidental billionaire. Is the name of the book. Have you read this book, Andrew? No, I'm not. I think you would like it. So he's a really fun writer in that he writes almost exclusively nonfiction, but he writes them as mm-hmm. if they were novels. So what he does is he like gathers a bunch of information and interviews and all like this a creative stuff. nonfiction yeah it's creative nonfiction and it's really cool so it feels like you're reading a novel but it's all based on actual conversations and interviews and all this mm-hmm. stuff and yeah. accidental billionaires is amazing and sex on the moon is really great too but anyways so the average time to read sex on the moon is seven hours and the predicted time that it would take me to read it is 14 hours and it's mm-hmm. <laughs> so i'm yeah. not only am i a slow reader i am twice as slow as the average american reader which can't possibly be that fast i'm just so listening long way to say that i typically listen to most of my books because it takes forever to physically i probably only read Mm -hmm. like maybe 10 books a year i probably physically read 10 books a year but i probably listen to close to the 40 a year because it's just just much easier for me and and i am able to remember better something about i don't know the way my brain works or whatever so audiobooks mm-hmm. my thing so if audible wants to sponsor us or some other audiobook service i wouldn't be against it <laughs> i guess i wouldn't turn down anyone who wants to sponsor us yeah i wouldn't yeah i'm, I'm good yeah i'm good with everyone everybody's cool with me any business I mean, I any corporation maybe not disney right now i mean a good time to be sponsored by disney mm, i could be persuaded <laughs> Your stance with the uh, strikers is very limiting. <laughs> hey, I'm not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, man. Well, the only other movies I watched were Legally Blonde, which all I can say about that movie 
is it's not good. Have you seen this movie? No, I've never seen it. No, it's not really my thing. It's not bad enough to be one of those movies that like it's funny how bad it is. It's competent, but it's not for me. I under there's this sort of cult following behind Legally yeah, very Blonde, much so. and I get why there is. But personally, I find the main character, the woman who is Legally Blonde, incredibly grating and unlikable as a character. And you're supposed to uh, spin the film feeling sorry for her, but she's like this really rich, privileged white woman who gets everything she wants in life. And it's really hard to feel bad for her. There are some great oneers, like there's some great one lines in this film that are genuinely funny, but a lot of the dialogue's just kind of dumb and pointless. And I find... I, I always get the I always I always get oh sorry, continue. I'm no, sorry. go ahead. I was gonna say I always get legally bond um confused with clueless. Yes. I always get those two movies confused. <laughs> but I like yeah. clueless. I'm a fan of that movie. I, I love that movie. I've seen Legally Blonde. I haven't seen Clueless, but I also get the two confused. So <laughs> I guess between the yeah. two of us, we've seen both movies. Yeah. you never seen Clueless? I love Clueless. It's a good mm-hmm. movie. It's a fun movie. I didn't think you would like Clueless. I mean... I think it's good. I'm Very of its time. Mid-90s seen... movie. Okay. I, of course, because I grew up in the early 2000s like you i've seen parts of clueless many many a times but i've never seen the film all the way through and it's been a long time since i've even seen parts of it so i would enjoy that experience i think that would that would be a pretty fun time. i'm reading I'm, re- I'm reading your clue yeah. i'm reading your uh, clueless review right now on letterbox my clueless review <laughs> yeah so yeah you watched so it. i have seen it <laughs> when did i see yeah. it it must it's been last a while year. then last really <laughs> that's what it says yeah my God, let me look at my review. You, Paul Rudd's in it. He's in it. Um, Stacey Dash is in it. Brittany Murphy's in it. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I think I vaguely remember this. I, feel, I should really remember more of this movie than I do. You know, that's a movie that like I've seen a couple times and like I, I, I remember when I saw it the second time, my memory of it had faded um, and my memory of it, it has also kind of emptied. I think my memory of it has also gone away now. I'm, I'm trying to remember parts about it, but when you're in it, um, I, I kind of like that because like when you're watching the movie, I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm, I remember when I watched it not too long ago, being very surprised by it and like thinking like, man, this movie's so much fun. It's a really fun movie to kind of like be in and just like a good mid 90s movie. It's music, it's clothing, like the style of it. And I think it's just a good kind of funny sort of satire. And I don't know. I just, I like Clueless. That's a good one. I need to give that another watch because apparently I've seen this movie and I don't know why. It's just like a drawing complete blank. Like I'm, I'm looking at it and I, I can see like she falls, in, she falls in love in with her stepbrother. She starts dating her uh, former step, her ex stepbrother, Paul Rudd. Okay. Yeah. Their step, their step yeah. siblings. Yeah. Yep. 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 I'm, I don't know why. So little of this fine. movie is in my head. <laughs> it's like in reason. limbo. In the movie, <laughs> like it was. Is, it just hit yeah. me in some way that I can't seem to find. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine it's just you know it's just kind of like yeah it's fine <laughs> legally blonde yeah. will probably be that way i i can't think I'll, I'll remember much or any of this movie it's not a very yeah memorable. other than it like i said uh there's a couple of good lines and luke wilson's in it which i like luke wilson so yeah, it's good it's nice to see him doing his thing mm-hmm. and then the only other thing i watched was kick-ass which i just watched two days ago i watched it thursday night i sort of watched it with emily emily turned it on and then she left like five minutes into the movie because she's already seen it before but i had never seen kick-ass before yeah me neither and for some reason i always thought kick-ass was this movie from like 2005 2006 and watching the whole film i was convinced that it was 
that the movie was like released in the mid 2000s because it has all of the classic mid 2000s tropes it has like that high school voiceover cliche all that kind of stuff it almost i mean 2010 it's like right there on the cusp. <laughs> it's i guess it's right there right it's right there on the cusp so it's it's still a, of the era and I, I was a bit surprised when i realized that the film came out in 2010 because some of the stuff feels all the more dated when you realize that the film came out in 2010 and not like 2003 2004 because i feel like there's certain things you can forgive and as far as the movie goes i know there's people again this is another film with a cult following much like legally blonde for whatever reason and i've seen a couple of matthew vaughn's films of course he's the kingsman guy right Ugh, those movies look like shit the kingsman movies yuck yeah they, they don't those movies don't look good to me yeah i mean i like how fun they are but there's a lot of problems with them and kick-ass is basically just a low budget kingsman i mean that's really the best way to describe it it's like well if we make kingsman but with like a third of the budget and i think those constraints are good for matthew vaughn i have we, we talked about many times before i think there's certain directors that do better when they're forced to have a small budget which he has for this and there's some genuinely fun moments. I think the action sequence are fun. Nicolas Cage is in this movie, which I did not know right, going yeah. into the movie. Yeah, yeah. He's great as always. Love a good Nicolas Cage performance. Honestly, I felt the way about this movie as the way we feel about The Boys, which we haven't talked about in a while. But in The Boys, of course, the main character is Huey. But like Huey's probably the most uninteresting character in the boys. And likewise in this, the guy who plays Kick-Ass, the main character, mm -hmm. is completely uninteresting. Like, yeah, it's, it's just like, I don't care about him or his woes or his life. But the story of Nicolas Cage and his daughter is really amazing. And like that whole story, mm -hmm. I kind of wish that was the movie because... That's probably like a third of the movie. I think if they just expanded that story and made that the whole film, it would have been a much better film because it's so funny and absurd yeah. and wonderful. Like, because Nicolas Cage plays the father and his daughter's like 11 years old and, you know, he's shooting her in the chest while she's wearing like Kevlar and stuff. And it's, it's yeah. great and it's silly and Nick Cage is great. But I think the film tries to be too expansive it tries to be too many things at once and i think if we mm -hmm. narrowed it down and just focused on nick cage who his superhero name is big daddy <laughs> if Let's we go. just focus on uh him and his daughter i think it would have been a much stronger film because all the stuff with mm -hmm. the main character like his love interests so i don't care who cares about. it's just like who fucking cares it's uninteresting and it's like oh he gets the pretty girl even though he's a nerd right and he reads comic books it's like i don't really give a shit like he's not that likable he's just yeah he's just like your classic mid-2000s high school boy you know who that's awesome who uh <laughs> who treats women as sexual objects right very of that era where you know, he's just a poor guy because no girls will look at him, but then no. he, <laughs> right? His life is no. so terrible because <laughs> girls don't like him because he's not a jock or whatever. And Damn. yeah, at the same time, he treats women he's, as he's, he's sexual terrible. objects, right? <laughs> he's cool. So yeah, that that's how I feel about Kick-Ass. I get its cult following status because the way it looks at superheroes is kind of fun and it is still I don't sort know, of man. early superhero I, era. I, 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 of the people that like I follow like on Letterboxd and stuff like that and just kind of like, you know, looking and reading reviews about it, I just feel like everyone is like, yeah, this is not very good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I think maybe, maybe you're thinking of like when it first came out because yeah, I remember when it first came out and people were like excited about it or whatever. Yeah, I don't think people are excited about it now. I think people are parking back and they're like, yeah, this sucks. <laughs> and I've heard that the sequel is worse. I've heard that one is, is really it? bad. I've heard okay. it's a very bad movie. Yeah, I, I may just be thinking back to the time, which... I, 
2010 was a very specific time, right? This was before Avengers. So the only Marvel yeah, superhero movies true. that come out are Iron Man and Thor. That might be the only ones. Maybe Captain it's kind of America? funny. It's kind of funny that Scott Pilgrim and um and Kickass came out the same year. Right, it was very specific. Scott very twenty ten. Much better. <laughs> Scott Pilgrim is it's much better, but it definitely um the way you were describing the character of Kickass is kind of the same. Thing, it's the same problem. Of. It has the yeah, same, same problem. problems. Yeah. yeah, but obviously, I think I think I'd rather watch Scott Pilgrim again than yes. Um, than you know, uh, many any other movies and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um yeah very specific yeah it's a very strange era and it's very of the era which i mean it's capturing a moment and i will say you know the cgi for 2010 looks pretty good i mean they definitely put their time and effort in. i mean there's some stuff that looks bad but overall yeah. it's, most of the cgi looks better than the last couple of marvel movies cgi <laughs> good or dc movies for that matter cool. <laughs> it's like it's been 13 good years job. and yet the cgi is somehow better there's this I don't care comparison i saw recently of when's the last time you've seen the pirates of the caribbean movie with the flying dutchman with the the guy with the tentacle Are you talking about, that's the first one right is it the guy with the tentacles is that the first one i think that's the first one i think it's the first one I've seen bits and pieces of that movie when I was young. I I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through. You should. No, I mean like I I think I think those movies, those like maybe like first two, maybe first three movies. I've heard people say like yeah, like these movies are like they're good. So what's so great about these movies? And this is just a different era of Disney, I guess, or maybe just the movie industry (laughs) is they built full fucking boats. I mean. The original Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean was the most expensive movie ever made at the time before Avatar came out. And they did that yeah. for all the movies. And so like the special effects in those movies are great. And I was recently watching a comparison to the CGI from that original movie, which came out in like 2006 or mid 2000, sometime around there. And like a very recent, like The Flash or something like that. And the CGI mm. in that 2006 movie looks so fucking good. Like it's yeah. incredible. Like you watch it, you're like, oh shit. Like if you if that movie came out, tell you, you'd be like, that is amazing. And it just shows you that like it, studios and executives care so little about the visual integrity of their films. Yeah, that's a 20-year-old movie too, that first movie. Yeah. Like the, it's now 20 years old and it's like 20 years old. Right, and that movie too. Like, it's not pretending that it doesn't have CGI in it, right? Like, it, it it's, exactly. it's doing it's doing the thing, trying to go back and forth, and uh, yeah, it's just it's 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 uh, disappointing. It's, it's an absurd world that we live in, because I mean, if you can make a movie like that, like that good, twenty years ago, yeah, maybe we can put in the effort. Because I don't think CGI in and of itself is a bad thing. I think we just need to yeah. give our artists the respect that they deserve. And no one wants to do that right now for some reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, uh, what was that? Uh, Parasite, right? The whole second story of their house. That was all CGI. But you wouldn't know that. Yeah. Like, that's great. Those are the kind of visual effects that I think are the most interesting. Are the visual effects that you don't really notice or like, they don't seem to add anything, but they're actually like imperative to the film. Yeah, when you like, see actors cool. on a poorly put together green screen, you, you fucking notice. Like you're like, yeah, yeah like <laughs> why does it look like that? Yeah, that's the that's what sucks about visual effects is like the best visual effects go unnoticed most of the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're so good that they're like, oh, we think these are practical effects, or that, that was the same thing with uh, 2001 when you. Uh, finally star like wars. released a film. he spent star wars same thing uh in 2001 when he released he spent so the thing that he spent the most amount of time in making in 2001 was the monkeys like the the opening scene yeah. the dawn of man he spent so much fucking time like years That's just trying to find like the right monkey suit like it was very intense on finding monkey suit there, the, and yeah that is uh that's funny that's not i didn't realize that that's kind of funny and it's not it's not the best effect but it's not bad i guess i think it's pretty good I think it's a pretty damn good effect. I mean, you can kind of tell that they're fake monkeys. Well, yeah. 
but but it's fine like I, it doesn't like take me out of the movie or anything like that <laughs> like it's pretty good like it's good it's just like yeah you know they're they're people in suits whatever it's like godzilla they did so stanley kubrick of course is famous for his research into his films much like the robert eggers yeah. who loves researching his films stanley kubrick was yeah. really into researching his films and the design of those ape-like creatures they actually brought in like professors from like harvard mm -hmm. and all these different you know, fancy places to talk about like what they thought apes would have looked like and that's like how they end up looking like that's how they thought they would yeah. have looked like in that era which is pretty cool. cool and yeah it was the thing that was so challenging about that set is it was really fucking hot in there like it was a, over 110 degrees because of those lights and then they're wearing these ape suits and like they had and they went through so many iterations of the ape suits they had like ones where they had fans in them because or uh <laughs> the ones that they end up wearing in the actual film they cover their mouths or like they they put something over their mouths and <laughs> and so they would they would shoot until the people passed out of carbon dioxide poisoning because they were breathing cool. in their own air. <laughs> that's great of Kubrick to do. And that's when that. And that's when they would stop. They'd be like, "Oh yeah, Kubrick. That's cool. He's a great filmmaker, but not a great person. <laughs> he was not, not a like, great person. yeah. As we discussed, he wasn't really a, an Altman like guy who was like a dad figure that everyone loved to no. be around. He was more like an evil dictator, I guess. He made good movies, but uh, yeah, I, I guess yeah. Person. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you'll listen to people talk about Kubrick and, and that movie 2001 is from a journalist who like followed Kubrick and was like friends with Kubrick during the whole making of it. And he'll talk about Kubrick and like, sometimes like Kubrick will just be like the nicest guy in the world. Like he'll be like this really generous, kind person. And then the next day he'll just be like this pure evil human being and just do like the most evil shit. <laughs> and it's just baffling, which I guess is just like part of his manipulative nature. Right. I guess that's all the worse. Like yeah. it's, like not it's only was funny. he an evil person. Yeah. Yeah. It's like kind of funny because uh, it in, in in the in the making of Nashville documentary, Altman would also be kind of manipulative, but in a kind of fun loving way. He would um you know, like when uh, this is obviously Nashville discussion, you, you know when uh, Karen Black shows up and she does a couple songs. Well, I think what they would do is that like so what they did was that all of the um all of the actors, I think, lived like in Nashville while they were shooting. So it wasn't like they were like bringing flying people in or anything like that. I think everyone was scheduled to live there, except for Karen Black, who does who does Connie White. Um, they they I think Connie, I think they brought in Karen Black just to shoot for like a couple days, her scenes. And she like stayed in like a really nice hotel while everybody else kind of stayed in kind of like crappy <laughs> hotels yeah. and stuff like that. And 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 and. Yeah, they were like pampering her or something like that. And I think it's because like they wanted to, I think Altman wanted, I think it was so that Altman yeah. could create kind of like an animosity um, with the other actors with um, Karen Black and in that regard, the Connie White character. So that is like a manipulation in a way that's like, I don't know, like it's not that bad. It's not hurting I think anybody. That's, yeah, that's like a thing where like, I think like actors will look back on and be like, oh yeah, that was funny. That that was like really like smart and effective, but almost dying of like, almost dying <laughs> is not really something you would be like maybe happy to, you know, harken back to, I guess. No, it's like that uh, Steven Spielberg thing he did in Saving Private Ryan, right? Where he sent them all to that military camp, except who, who plays Private Ryan? Is it Matt Damon who plays... I think it's Matt Damon, yeah. Yeah, Matt Damon. They, he sends everyone to the camp except Matt Damon. And so they have like this animosity. It's not like evil, right? No one's dying. It's no. not like a terrible thing, but it, you're I trying mean, to get like an effect. You're, you're trying, trying to get, get like a certain effect in the movie. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it works. And, uh, it looks like everyone really hates Matt Damon in this movie. And it's, and it's, and it's stuff like that that like stuff like that is more kind of like if you're an actor, a serious actor, you probably just look back on that and be like, yeah, that was a really good experience, honestly um that's like something you would just kind of like be like oh yeah like i i feel that you know like i kind of see where you're coming from with that um but yeah like being outwardly like abusive isn't really uh <laughs> isn't really something you would like remember too fondly no yeah, yeah being a it, being a director is a, a challenging thing because it at its core you kind of are being a little 
manipulative to your actors yeah, and trying to get yeah, a certain yeah. performance out of them right. but it should always come from a place of generosity and kindness i mean you should never force people to work until you know near death that's yeah. not <laughs> or you know force them to quit their career in acting because you've just psychologically tortured them that's yeah. not great that's bad it's very bad <laughs> i'll mention two more things real quick yeah uh have you ever seen johnny mnemonic have you watched this movie yet you should watch it if not Johnny Mnemonic is like a pre-Matrix science fiction movie starring Keanu Reeves in which he is a courier that is like trying to like uh, transport data in his brain. And it's one of the few movies that William Gibson ever like wrote for. Um, Science fiction author William Gibson. Um, He like, yeah, he like he did the writing for the movie. Um, Or... Yeah, like he, he, it's based off a short story of his. And uh, yeah, it's like one of the few movies that have been adapted. And it's one of the few stories of his that have been adapted into movies. And um, I've seen this movie before in color, but I had heard about this a while ago on Twitter that um, they're, they were doing a Johnny Mnemonic release in black and white. Yeah. And I think that's because like they, that's what they originally wanted to do, but it didn't happen. Uh-huh. And Criterion exclusively premiered Johnny Mnemonic in black and white so we watched that the other day and uh, yeah I would say it's slightly better than the one in color Um, Johnny Mnemonic what do you say? the black and white looks better I think it looks better I think it covers up like how cheap the movie looks Um, (laughs) it's kind of a cheap movie Um, great it's a good movie I wouldn't say it's a great movie but it's a really good movie Um, it has like a crazy cast um the keanu reeves acting is maybe not the best in the world but it's endearing at least um and some people might not like the william gibson writing but i like it a lot um and the black and white i think makes it more serious and dramatic and darker um like content wise kind of yeah and uh very mid 90s science fiction like the internet is crazy type shit (laughs) um Kind of remind me of Ghost in the Shell a little bit. Great anime movie. Kind of remind me of like the technology yeah. and kind of world in that movie. Okay. Um, but yeah, I just I would recommend seeing it in black and white because uh, it uh, it's cool. I like it. Uh, it's uh, they do a good job. It's not like they revert. It's and it's not like it's not like uh, it's not like they took the movie and they just like switched like they put a filter on it. Like they do. I think it's like a purposeful like black and white where they really like touch it up. You know. So it's good. And uh, the only other thing to bring up is like, uh, you know, I they finally put the David Cronenberg film Eastern Promises on streaming, which is a movie that just never goes on streaming. Like I've, in my experience of the streaming services that I have, they finally put it on a streaming service and I finally went out of my way to go see it. Um, one of the few David Cronenberg movies I haven't seen. Um, very late period one, 2007. And this movie I think came out right after a history of violence history of violence and eastern promises both uh feature uh vigo mortensen and uh they're very similar they have two but they're two very different locations very different kind of things but they're both kind of crime crime family crime organization movies um less body horror stuff um but those aspects are still in there in the in terms of the violence so like when someone gets like killed or something like that or dismembered, it really it really shows you <laughs> oh, uh, how <laughs> how a person uh, becomes dismembered in uh, in the movie. So I don't know which I like more. They're two very similar movies, but they 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 have different things going on. Um, but Eastern Promises is good. It's about like a Russian mafia in London. Um, History of Violence I think takes place in Indiana. Really. Um, I think so. <laughs> I think it's somewhere in the Midwest, either the South or Midwest, and I think it's in Indiana. Okay. Um, and but Eastern Promises was like I said, like it's about like a like a Russian mob, and um, a person played by um, a character played by Naomi Watts. She gets kind of like sucked into it a little bit into their business, and so she's in danger. And um, yeah, just good late period Cronenberg, really stark and 
clean, but you know, it's disturbing. Um, not the, not my favorite, but it's great. Okay. Well, that's dope. Always love talking about Cronenberg. It's been a while since I've seen a Cronenberg film. Maybe I'll see one soon. Kind of feeling Cronenberg esque. I don't know. I think I can, and, I think I can. What were you going to say? Sorry. I was going to keep going. I was going to ask for any suggestions for a Cronenberg movie I should watch. Have you seen video? Well, no, we've seen video drum for the show. Yeah, we've seen video drum for the show. Yeah, we've seen video drum for the show. Yeah. Um, the other day I decided to uh, because it's never on streaming. I went to Barnes and Noble for their Criterion sale and I picked up Crash, which I love. Okay. Crash is a movie where they're sexually attracted to um, car crashes. Cars, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, The Fly is good. I mean, The Fly is probably his most famous movie. Fly. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum. Probably the best Jeff Goldblum performance as well, ever. Wow. Those big words. I mean, you gotta love Jeff Goldblum. He's got a lot of great stuff. I, I I like Jeff Goldblum. I don't really like care for him as an actor. Like I'm not like wow, Jeff Goldblum is the best actor, but he's good <laughs> in this movie. I think I think he really like stands okay. out as like an actor, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, The Fly is good, crazy, and Crash is good, and um, you know, if you want something like crazier, you go Scanners. Like eighties, Cronenberg is kind of crazy. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. You can't really go wrong. But at this point, I only have like five more Cronenberg features I haven't seen yet, and then I'm done with him. Wow, I'm getting there. He has a lot of movies. He sure does. he does. <laughs> yeah, he's a lot of movies. Um. So yeah, he's. Yeah, he has so many. Um, but yeah, he's worth it. I was like Dead Ringers. Dead Ringers is sick. Love Dead Ringers. They uh they did like a Dead Ringers show recently, I think, oh, really? where they gender swapped it. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I'm not gonna watch it, but <laughs> yeah, bringing that back. Is he? Uh, is Cronenberg a producer on the show? I have no idea. I haven't no. really looked into it very much. But yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Yeah, man, that's that's it for me too. I started watching the last season of Better Call Saul. I'm on the last, or I just watched the first episode of the last season. So, gotta get through that. I don't know. I need like a easy television show to watch. It, Did you finish Seinfeld? I, I finished Seinfeld, but I kind of need a break from Seinfeld before I get into Curb. Like, I need a yeah, I mean, maybe... Wait a minute. Uh, no, I know. I understand that. Curb is pretty easy to watch. Okay. There's no laugh track. There's no episode... Nice. Tra- there's no scene transitions. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, there's no, like... Like, it doesn't... It doesn't, like, there's no... There, they, like, the show is pretty much, like, Seinfeld, except with all of the, like, sitcom network television filler right. taken out. There's no, the title card is like a black screen with white text and the episode starts and there's no, like, like I said, there's no scene transitions like where, you know, they put commercials in. Yeah. Um, It's just the episode just like goes and, 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 and I don't know, that might be easy for you to watch. And that might be hard for you to watch. I don't know. Um, But, you know, it's a little bit less bombastic than when you're watching an episode of Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah, obviously Seinfeld's one of the greatest of all time, but still watching all nine seasons. You watch a lot of it. Was a lot. I watched, watched a lot. It, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of. It's a lot of television. Many televisions. Yeah. It's a whole lot of. So, yeah, that's pretty much it for me, man. Okay. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Thank you.